0: You are listening to The Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with The Wealth Formula Podcast, coming to you from Santa Barbara, California, from the twilight zone. You're nuts. That's what I would tell you if anyone a year ago had suggested to me that we would be facing a global pandemic that would put us in a recession Magnitudes greater than 2008. Of course, I'm basing that on GDP numbers. A pandemic that would make all bars and restaurants shut down, cancel the NBA, make Major League Baseball play without fans, and put, God forbid, the NFL itself uh, in question, right? I mean, there's like players opting out. By the way, that makes a lot of sense to me because a lot of those guys have these huge body mass indexes, and if they get COVID, man, they're some of those guys are toast. So I get it. But you know what? Um, I would also think you were nuts if you told me that, despite all of what we've seen, all of this financial destruction, that our apartment portfolio would still be performing well at pre-COVID levels. Uh, Actually, it Even better if you talk about what's going on in our uh, portfolio at our uh, Wealth Formula Accredited Investor Club. By the way, you can sign up for that by going to WealthFormula.com. And so this idea that all of this crazy stuff could be happening, yet our portfolio would be doing great. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, it's, It's like we're living in the twilight zone right now, right? It's totally the twilight zone. Um, you know, and in this scenario, I would love to say that I predicted this and I, you know, curated this portfolio because I knew what was going to happen. But here's the thing. What I thought was going to happen was we were going to have some sort of correction and I so felt like working class apartments would be the right place to be. And so that's why we didn't go, you know, moving around into all these like bright and shiny things because we just felt like, you know. I felt like, you know, let's, let's just let this thing play out. The risk-adjusted growth or uh, profits on these things was not worth the risk. And you know what? Sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. I mean, I'd like to think I'm good too, but the luck here is fantastic. So what happens, uh, you know, in the next six months? That's the question. What happens in a year? What happens in two years? Yogi Berra, the uh, one of the smart, uh, smartest uh, you know prophets of our time, said that it's you know it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. And that is a wise, wise man. So no matter what anyone says right now, here's the thing: is we're probably throwing darts, and we're gonna go back, and somebody's gonna say, "Oh, I was yeah, I told you I was right." Uh, look at Peter Schiff right now. I mean, Peter's a smart guy, but it's almost like he's acting like he predicted a pandemic or something. You know, he's doing this victory dance. But anyway, that said, let me make a couple of observations first. Uh, and I, I'm going to focus on apartment buildings because that's what we do for the most part in Accredited Investor Club. We do some, uh, you know, we have a big portfolio of that, some self-storage as well. But apartment buildings right now, are still doing very well at least the working class stuff that we do in, in great you know in these these big growth markets like Dallas Fort Worth and Phoenix Scottsdale. And here's some perspective for you. interest rates, the Fed has said this the interest rates will artificially be low for years to come. and you know what else there's a ton of money on the sidelines that has to be deployed. And I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about, you know, pension funds. I'm talking about, you know, these, uh, uh, big, uh, uh, family offices with mandates, uh, to deploy capital. I mean, there, there, there's, there's a need to actually place this capital, right? So what if, okay. Now if you've been listening to me, uh, In the last several weeks, several months, you know, that I have been thinking, okay, well, you know, we're probably going to have this tsunami of defaults and then have this, you know, massive opportunity to buy. Well, we're not seeing it. Guess what? We're not seeing it at all. We're not seeing much deals because, man, there's no distress. If there's no distress, there's no deals. Nobody wants to sell something they're making money with. So what if, Instead of that tsunami, we go straight from, you know, stable or maybe a little bit of decreased rent growth in the next six months or so. Next thing you know, there's a vaccine and then there's massive demand. There's low interest rates. The banks have no problem lending again. Big money's coming off and they're saying, hey, you know, that multifamily sure did perform well throughout this Area And if we have a mandate to invest in real estate, a certain part of our portfolio, maybe we should be looking at residential stuff. And then before you know it, we've got cap rate compression a year from now. What if that happens? Now, honestly, I'm telling you that if you listen to my show, A couple of months back, if I had said this, well, I wouldn't have had a straight face. I, I wouldn't have been able to say that with a straight face a couple of months ago. But now I can actually see that happening. Not for sure. I'm saying I could see it happening and not be surprised by it. Anyway, in the interest of continuously trying to understand the future of real estate investing and knowing what we're doing I am interviewing yet another economic uh, real estate uh, sage this week. He's a guy who specializes in apartments. He actually spoke at our last Wealth Formula event, which now seems eons ago, right? I mean, that's crazy. It just seems like forever ago. His name's Ryan Davis. He's a very smart guy. He's a guy we listen to um, as we take advice on uh, apartments as part of his uh, consulting business. Anyway, make sure to listen close to this interview with Ryan when we come back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast. He's been on the show before. He's economist Ryan Davis. He actually joined us uh, at one of our last Wealth Formula meetups. Of course, uh, the last one we had was canceled, but uh, Ryan was at the one before that. He serves as a chief operating officer at uh, Witten Advisors and provides fact-based research, analysis, and discussion to help clients like us uh, formulate their apartment strategies. And um, these insights inform investment decisions for multifamily development and buy-sell opportunities, which, uh, as you can imagine, we're all looking for some of this advice uh, these days. Ryan has a PhD in economics uh, from the University of Texas. Ryan, welcome back to Wealth Formula podcast.
1: Thank you. Glad to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, it's it's like a pandemic ago we, uh, we last talked, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Listen, you know, I, I want to kind of jump into, you know, the the whole, you know, what the heck is going on. I mean, the overall, sure. uh, it, it, if you would, You know, kind of give me your overall assessment of the economy. I mean, obviously, we know these huge drops in GDP, etc., which were expected last quarter. Um, How is this all affecting uh, real estate asset prices, especially, you know, as as, uh, apartments, which is, you know, is our interest and uh, something that you specialize in?
1: Mhm. Sure. So yeah, that's the the great unknown is the pace of the recovery. So yeah. we had that, you know, big drop through April in terms of uh, employment and then we got a, a bounce back in May and June and the hope was that it was going to be a V-shaped recovery. But then we saw virus cases uh, ramp back up in the second half of June into the early part of July and Uh, local economy started rolling back some of their openings. And so uh, with that, we've kind of stalled out uh, recently. So we'll get the, July numbers this Friday for overall payroll gains, and that could—I think—the consensus is anywhere between one, one and a half million jobs. It could be negative, so who who knows? But it looks like the the hope for a V-shaped recovery in the economy has kind of stalled out uh, after the first two months of optimism and so we we think that going forward we won't see any the worst is behind us really and so we won't Mm -hmm. see you know the big losses that we experienced in March and really into April Uh, so kind of what, what we're calling for right now is for the national economy to continue to add jobs for the remainder of the year and then Beginning next year, a recovery should emerge, and that would sustain uh, demand for housing and ultimately apartments going forward. In the near term, as far as multifamily goes, we expect some pain uh, through the end of this year and the, into the early part of next year. In terms of pricing power, if we had to boil it down to one number, it's rent growth. So, year over year effective rent growth, we think that uh, declines to 8% rent cuts this year. And then to early part of 2021, that varies considerably, uh- on a local market basis yeah. i think that our worst performing market is metro new york city probably no surprise there uh, but then also many of the other gateway markets such as boston la the bay area etc we expect uh, rent declines to be lower than that 8% across the board however many of the inner west texas southeastern markets should outperform still see rent declines but not uh, you know closer to the 5 6% range at at the depth. And so we expect near term pain, but then as we get out into 2021 and afterward, and the economy begins to add a lot of jobs, we would expect rent growth to return to multifamily. And then what that means for uh, pricing in terms of apartment assets. right now, in the second quarter, hardly any deals traded hands. So it's really tough to get a sense of where pricing is. And with the deals that have traded though, the cap rates have remained relatively stable, which is a good uh, sign. Uh, we've heard from some of our merchant builder clients where they had assets they had constructed and were going out to the market to sell in the early part of April they were saying 10% discounts in terms of the compared to pre-corona levels but that has since come back in the last uh, 45 60 days and maybe it's only 1 to 2% in terms of the haircut that they're seeing out there right right now there's a just a ton of capital that wants to get back into multifamily mm-hmm. at the same time there's hardly any distress out there right now so there's a a lack of uh, available to you know supply to buy and so everyone is just kind of in this standstill there's a, a Big bid ask gap because buyers aren't willing to pay yesterday's prices for assets, but sellers aren't willing to give any you know, deep discounts right now, and so it's yeah. kind of at a standstill until and see how all this plays out.
0: Yeah, you know it's really interesting. We're obviously you know through um, um, you know you work with Western Wealth Capital's one of my partners, and and, and you know it's funny because we uh, we were kind of thinking, well, maybe there'll be some real buying opportunities, but it it you know, we've seen a little a little bit, maybe just, you know, from buyers who are sellers who just are just wanting to get out while they're ahead. Maybe they made some money. Um, you know, maybe they, and, and at this point, they, you know, they're just thinking, let's just, let's just cash out. And maybe they're willing to take a little bit less. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you look across our own portfolio and, and, and it might be because it's largely, again, Texas and, um, you know, Arizona, uh, et cetera, that, uh, and, and maybe it's because it's mostly working class B and, you know, high C class apartment, but our portfolio, uh, you know, the numbers are just as good as they've ever been in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, um, occupancy in terms of even our, uh, we're still raising rents you know um and so it, so when you look at that you're like well i mean how do you expect there to be any you know smoking deals out there <laughs> you, you know if 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 the seller's really aren't feeling any distress so so is there a difference um you know when you look at something like a b and c class apartment uh scenario versus a right now or have you been able to break that down a little bit because i think the the people I know who are in the A class and new build are you know they're certainly feeling things a little bit more than we are
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we've heard from some of our clients in terms of early on, so May, June, in terms of rent collections, Class A's were actually, uh, from a nationwide perspective, actually exceeded the Class B and C product. Now, we don't think that will continue going forward. And the main reason is that uh, new deliveries that are coming online uh, have to, that they will compete with the existing top of the market. Product and so we think that this short uh, it will be short lived in terms of the the top of the market outperformance and and another part uh, is due to just the nature of this downturn where low wage sectors were hit extremely hard in April, uh, got a, some bounce back in May and June, but the leisure and hospitality sectors, lower paying positions, those have been the, the most impacted so far. But going forward, we don't think that this downturn would be any different than prior recessions in terms of the class A leading the way down in terms of occupancy, drops in occupancy, and also uh, rent growth or rent cuts in the the near term. So class A's will lead the market down, but then as we get out into the later part of next year and into early 2022, then class A's would outperform the broader market. So yeah, we think through uh, the end of this year until early next that B's and C's will hold up relatively better. Um, But that's mainly a function of just the competition that it takes to get these new projects that are in lease up. They will get leased up. It's just a matter of the market clearing price. And so those have to compete. uh, Those compete mostly with the top end of the the spectrum. And so we see big rent declines and concessions uh, in the the class A space uh, going going forward.
0: You know, there's this uh, there's this thesis that's going around um, in the multifamily space and I and I you know i' I've been sort of, um, you know, uh, looking at it this way too for a while, though I'm starting to, you know feel like it's maybe not gonna happen is this idea that there's going to be a, you know potentially before we really rebound and start heading up again that there'll potentially be a you know, big tsunami of defaults and and things like that right now uh, at least what I'm you know seeing and hearing about in terms of the lending markets and in terms of these properties there isn't there really isn't much indication of that right now is there I mean what what do you think?
1: No, at least not in the short term. And again, yeah. there's it goes back to my earlier comment. Uh, there's been no distress, really. And so that is due mainly to the huge stimulus packages that have been passed, both from a you know, fiscal standpoint and a monetary uh, standpoint, which is you know, it's crazy to think that GDP uh, declined at an annualized rate by 32%. However, incomes soared, and so that's all due to the stimulus that we saw, and so that's helped prop up uh, you know, renters' incomes and allow them to, to pay rent. Now, going forward, uh, I think some of these, you know, the, the number of defaults, I don't think there will be a tsunami, at least that's how we view it right now. Ask me again in a week and it could, it could change. Um, but
0: yeah.
1: I think that the, the faults will be, uh, very, uh, market specific. And so those, uh, uh, geographies that have been hit harder, will see a larger number, but many of the Texas markets, Phoenix, Denver, uh, Southeast high growth markets, where you've got this short term uh, tailwind in terms of, Folks, you know, at the at the margin more uh, the trends that have been in place for years of folks moving from gateway markets into these the the inner markets will be kind of you know, giving a stairway shot, really, yeah. in, in yeah. the near term, and so that would help to prop up multifamily fundamentals and so you know if you're expecting a tsunami of defaults in any of those markets that i mentioned there again it kind of gets a little bit granular in terms of you know potentially orlando might have some problems just with the amount of supply and then the the you know low wage in tourism industries being impacted uh, more dramatically. And that would lead to some weakness in Orlando. But uh, outside of, of that, maybe Houston, you could argue, um, you know, so, somewhat, but outside of those two, in the, those those areas of the inner West, Texas, Southeast, Florida, should be, uh, hold up, you know, relatively well. And I would think that the main stress points will be uh, out, on, you know, on the coast in California, potentially Portland. We do think Seattle holds up relatively well. And then, and then Northeast in terms of, uh, you know, New York and Boston uh, as well. So I think it's very uh you know, locally market. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you know, we, we did, we were a little worried about Houston too, but our, you know, Houston portfolio is actually doing awesome. It's not having any problems at all, which is, which is, mm-hmm. you know, again, we're knock on wood. Uh, that that's what it's been so far. Let me ask you another question. You mentioned the pent up demand, um, of, you know, money on the sidelines waiting to get back in. And, you know, and in, in, in many situations, um, they have to get back in, right? They're mandated to deploy capital and that sort of thing. Um, do you the the one thought that I've had through this is, you know, multifamily and um, well, multifamily in general has held up so well during this period of time. Um, does that potentially create a situation where you know the big money that's coming in starts looking at this even harder as potentially a little bit of a um, you know a a little bit of a hedge or a little bit of safe haven uh what what do you guys think is going to be the effect of that you know the the relative stable performance and then ultimately you know having all of this money on the sidelines do you see you know paradoxical even further compression of cap rates over the next couple years is is what's your thought on that
1: Yeah, uh, and so kind of pre-corona, our forecast was for cap rates to continue to decline. And uh, taking a step back, it was mainly driven by global factors with the uh, you know, aging populations you know, across the globe that have you know, built wealth up and all of the, that you know, investment needed to be placed somewhere. And so those trends were driving returns lower for longer. And so those are a demographic that have not been affected by uh, the, the uh, pandemic. And so just from a global standpoint, we're expecting returns across all assets, whether stocks, bonds, you know, all classes of real estate, whether it's multi or industrial, retail office, et cetera, those returns would continue to to head lower. And now we've had the pandemic and we've seen multifamily and industrial hold up exceedingly well. And who knows what to make of retail, office, and lodging? Just lots of pain in, the, in those sectors. And so, if you need to be allocated to real estate, then multifamily and industrial, are where you want to be, at least in the, the short term, and especially if you're looking for uh, consistency uh, of returns and, you know, uh, risk-adjusted on a risk-adjusted basis, yeah, you know, multi and industrial are have outperformed the other asset classes. And so really to get into the lodging, office, uh, retail space, probably more opportunistic, uh, you know, mindset in terms of those assets may need to be repositioned, et, et cetera. And so I think a lot of the, that money that's out there is is not looking to get, there, there's a lot that's looking for that type of yeah, asset turnaround story, but there's also a lot of money out there that needs the stability. And so that should continue to compress uh, cap rates or put a really put a cap on the, the cap rates. And so it would be no surprise if cap rates on an aggregate basis uh, hold steady and maybe even decline uh, despite a deterioration in short-term fundamentals. And part of that is due to the long-term belief in apartments going forward. And so, uh, yes, there's a short-term dislocation where we expect some move-outs that, you know, this year, actually, some, there are a lot of move-outs that we expect. And so uh, there's gonna be a lot of doubling up, folks moving back in with their families, but then there's gonna be pin-up demand as we, as the that recovery uh, takes hold next year, and that will be released. And so we see uh, leasing to be uh, through the roof uh, next year and then out into 2022. Then at the same time as that demand story uh, improves, in the short term, we see starts uh, decelerating dramatically. So we're going from a 400,000-unit run rate to about 200,000 units by the early part of next year. And so new production is going to get cut in half now that we don't get any benefit of that immediately. So we have to wait to the later part of 2022 and 2023 before we see that slowdown in production really lift Fundamentals, And so I think everyone is, is seeing that, yes, there's some short term disruption in the multifamily market right now, but the long term drivers uh, are there. And if you uh, have the capital to wait out this very painful uh, period in the short term, then it, there will be you know, major benefits after uh, that we should see after next year.
0: Now, one of the things you said, I think, earlier is that the worst is behind us. Do you believe that's the case in terms of rent growth and, you know, uh, rent cuts and that sort of thing right now?
1: I think the worst is behind us in terms of the economy. I think mm-hmm. that uh, going forward, we you know, should continue to produce uh, job gains on a, on a monthly basis, though this next report could could see some layoffs, but we'll see. The consensus is 1,000,000, In terms of multifamily, we do not think the worst is behind us. We think that fundamentals will continue to deteriorate into the early part of next year. Uh, We think that, you know, kind of right now, in terms of year-over-year rent growth uh, in the early part of this year was call it, Three, three three and a half percent we've since gone down to zero percent in the second quarter so on a quarterly basis we've seen some dramatic rent cuts again this is on a national uh, mm-hmm. basis and then As uh, we move forward, we see occupancy dropping by about three percentage points into the early part of next year. Rent declines of about 8% uh, through the the, the remainder of this year into the first quarter of of next year. And so, no, we do think that there will be some deterioration in fundamentals uh, going forward on the flip side of that, that might present some opportunities. And so any assets that were purchased, especially in in your space in terms of if they were bought at the top of the market at the end of last year and the early part of this year, and now that value add story isn't there where you, you might not be able to get the rent bumps that you were expecting. So some of those assets will have to be recapitalized. And so that might present some opportunity as the year progresses. And, but again, like you said, we haven't seen that materialize yeah. uh, so far. Yeah. So, and,
0: yeah. That's the tricky part, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's sort of like, I think when you're on the buy side here, you're saying, well, I mean, these, these prices that we're seeing right now, um, you know, with, with prolonged, uh, you know, low interest rates, which we can pretty much guarantee at this point for a period of time, um, And then the pent up demand, it's sort of like, okay, well, I mean, this actually might be one of the better times to buy if you consider what could potentially happen in the next, you know, 18 to 24 months in terms of, you know, explosive growth. Mm -hmm. Um, What um, when you look at those indicators that you're you know, that you're talking about that may lead to some of the more explosive growth metrics, what markets come to mind the most for you?
1: yeah so our general geographic areas that we like We like the southeast, parts of Florida, uh, Texas and uh, the inner west. We, we really like uh, Atlanta. We like South Florida there's some a little more pain in the short term. Some of our clients are saying you know, kind of the, in terms of you know rent collections, you know, northeast, uh, but also, yeah, LA. But then South Florida is outperforming those two areas, but still lagging uh, some of these these other markets. So we like the Texas markets uh, long term, uh, Interwest, yeah, Phoenix, uh, Denver, uh, Salt Lake uh, as well. We like Seattle. Uh, that's an outlier on the West Coast. Mm. But then the you know, other markets, whereas yeah, you know, the Bay Area, we expect. Those uh, you know rent growth numbers to average four four and a half percent, which stack up really well across the across the nation. But for those markets, that's a recession pretty much. And so, compared to what's normal and the cap rates you have to pay, uh, the, the rent growth numbers there kind of uh, you know lack, lackluster. It so the Midwest the markets they won't be hit as hard but still they don't get that explosive growth going uh, forward and so we we really like the the inner west texas southeast florida markets uh and you know part of that has been driven uh, being driven by the migration flows Uh, so domestic migration numbers have uh, really helped out all of these markets we've seen outflows from the northeast boston new york uh, you know, the, the Bay Area, Southern California, we've seen migration outflows from those markets into the, you know, inner west, you know, Las Vegas, the Inland Empire, Phoenix, Denver, uh, you know, people moving from the coast into those markets. And then, you know, also parts of Texas as well. But then in terms of the northeast, the flows that are coming in to uh the Nashville's, the Charlotte's, Raleigh's, Atlanta, uh, Florida markets. We yeah, and then also Texas as well. And so those uh, trends have been accelerated, uh, at least in the, the short term. Uh, but it's important to remember that those have been going on for yeah, yeah a decade at least, even more in, than other markets. And so yeah. uh, it's not anything new. But that but at the margin that will support many of these these other, um,
0: markets. Yeah. On the West coast. I mean, there's that flight to Arizona as well, right. From, mm-hmm. Cal- from California, every believe in California. Um, what, um, you know, one, one of the things that, you know, is, 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 uh, worth talking about is what effect this has had, um, you know, the pandemic and the recession on the, um, the lending market, uh, with Fannie and Freddie and, you know, how, you know, how that might be playing into any of the growth or lack of. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think on the financing side, uh, you know, debt for stabilized assets, it's, yeah, you know, it's there and it's yeah. cheap and you know, may have to, you know, be uh, you know, have higher reserves than you've had typically, but for the most part, uh, it it's there, and so that's part of the appeal of buying assets right now with these you know record low interest rates. So, I think for stabilized assets, it, yeah, it's, it's there uh, for new construction, it is dried up considerably, and this is a, a, a change in the last 30 to 60 days, and so the Fed does a survey each quarter of banks and their tightening of multifamily construction lending standards. And that latest report shows 70% of banks tighten their multifamily construction loans uh, last quarter, which we haven't seen those levels since 2008, 2009. Yeah. And so I think part of it's that the lenders are trying to make sense of what they have in terms of all these other uh, asset types in terms of real estate or yeah. retail, uh, lodging office loans—they're trying to, you know, spend spend a lot of time working those out. And so, you know, then you add on the uncertainty in terms of the economic recovery, et cetera. They've pretty much put a, a halt on new construction loans, uh, and so that's a, been a big change here in the last uh, you know, two two months. Call it. Uh, and then on the the equity side, I think you know, returns have been you know, increased. Um, but still uh, re- available and interested but uh you know a lot of the you know equity and especially you know, focusing in on the new starts pipeline if the all the deals that had been started are continuing and it's kind of a mixed bag from our clients in terms of are are you seeing delays or actually some of our clients have reported a they were able to speed up the timing in terms of getting able to get trucks into sites very easily. And then also uh, the construction workers that were uh, on, you know, working on hotels, motels, those have come into the the apartment sector. And so that's provided more uh, manpower in terms of getting these deals, deals done. And so those that were under construction are continuing to proceed. Those that were capitalized, I think that but haven't begun those have been they haven't pulled out completely they just said let's press pause to yeah. see let's can we get any break in construction costs uh, over the next uh, several months and so uh, the equity and, and banks are still willing to do it move forward on those deals that have been capitalized but are you know slow playing it and so uh, and then you get to the you know others where there's land sites and they hadn't been entitled and hadn't been capitalized those deals uh, we think have been uh, shelved for right now and so it kind of where some opportunity could be is on the land side of you know potentially you know, purchasing some land sites that you know might be you know, uh, teed up for development as we get uh, further along in this recovery.
0: Again, one of the one of the things that you're saying, though, in terms of uh, construction loans not being there, again, it, it helps us for those of us who have, who have, uh, you know, apartment uh, portfolios already that are already there. That that again goes to the um, issue of, of a simple supply and demand, um, you know, issue, which which uh, we can benefit from if there's not a whole lot of new new builds. How? You know, this is a major driving um, variable in, in apartment buildings nationally. Can you give us a little bit the idea of, you know, just not being able to keep up with, you know, population growth in various parts of the country? Can you give us a little bit of an, you know, sort of a thousand foot view on how the perspective on how big of an issue that actually is? Hmm.
1: I don't know if it's a if it's that big of an issue. Uh, you know, uh, on on the whole, and I think that you know some of these higher growth markets in terms of where we've you know, you know call it the Atlantis and North Carolina markets, uh, you know, Central North Florida, you know Texas, the Inner West regions where we've seen large uh, you know population growth statistics, mm-hmm. uh, you know high growth markets. But they're also they also tend to be the highest in terms of supply uh, mm-hmm. for for housing, and mm-hmm. so you're it's more you know easy to build in those markets, especially you know out uh, you know, as you get you know away from the you know central cities et cetera, and so where we've seen you know, the the biggest barriers to supply are out on the, the coast, and so uh, we've seen you know job growth you know, be you know. Pretty, pretty good uh, in those markets, but the supply hasn't kept up uh, at, at all. And so that's why you're seeing you know, these big you know, rent affordability you know, problems in the, the coastal markets. And so we, we think that uh, you know, supply not keeping up with the population dynamics is more of a, a coastal Problem, uh, but then you know, as you get into the markets that are more you know, accepting of new development, then you know, we've seen you know, housing supply increase at a rapid clip in many of these other markets. I think you know Austin, you know, even through the, the June of this year, permit activity for multifamily continued to set uh, reach. Big, big levels, and so I think year to date in Austin, it's already uh, pulled permits on almost ten thousand units already, which is you know, huge numbers. And so I do think that while you know, these population growth numbers and some of these markets are you know off the charts, especially compared to you know some of the, the coastal uh, markets that supply has been able to keep up uh, there. And so yeah, you see. Pockets of where, you know, rent growth uh, bumps up to, you know, five, six percent levels. It's especially that, you know, was the case in Phoenix and Las Vegas over the past two to three years where those markets were leading in terms of uh, rent increases. But they tend to be markets that will accept more new supply. And so that will tend to uh, even out uh, over the, the long term.
0: How's how's Vegas doing? I'm out of curiosity, because that that one was just crushing it. But it it seemed yeah. it seemed a little dangerous, you know. It seemed like one of those markets where it's like, wow, is it real or is it, you know, is it you know is it one of those things that's just gonna kind of, you know, re, you know, go back to. <laughs> To Vegas, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: Uh, and yeah, kind of thinking, but you know, before, kind of goes back to your comment earlier about uh, people moving from the coast to getting in their car and driving to the Riverside, and then Las Vegas and Phoenix, and so it was benefiting from a real out-migration from expensive coastal California. Um, That said, just the nature of this pandemic crushing leisure and hospitality and the conference uh, circuit that the job losses in Las Vegas, I think, you know, through April into May, you know, led the nation. We've seen uh, some uh, a bit of a bounce back there, but really the question is, you know, how fast does the, the conference, you know, a circuit, yeah, come back. How fast are people willing to travel to casinos? I know they, they have already, but uh, I think that pre Corona, the growth was real and yeah, absolutely. Now it's a little bit different, uh, you know, market in terms of, you know, the, the, Cost and you don't want to go in there. And if you're a developer, you don't you know want to build a high rise yeah. uh, there. there. Uh, and so your strategy is a little bit you know yeah, d- yeah. different. But uh, so far, it's held up relatively well, uh, all things considered, but still uh, a a lot of weakness that is materializing in in Vegas.
0: Interesting stuff. Well, listen, uh, I don't want to keep you all day long, uh, Ryan, but it's been great talking to you. Where can we learn more about your work?
1: Sure. Uh, Probably the easiest is wittenadvisors.com. You can go there. Our contact information is there. Feel free to, uh, reach out with a phone call or send me an email uh, anytime and I'll be happy to give you more details on the services that we provide and how we add value to many clients that are in you know, either owner operators, developers, equity, or, or lender clients.
0: Fantastic. Thanks again. And we'd love to have you again, uh, you know, in a few months uh, to reassess where we are at.
1: All right. So, sounds good. Looking forward to it
0: we will be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Just remember, we have to just keep asking questions, right? That's the thing. We just don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to be ignorant, right? We don't want to be ignorant. We want to keep asking questions and then thinking about all the possible outcomes uh, that we could have, right? It's like peripheral vision, Right, understand what's in front of you, yes, but also be aware of potential icebergs, um, opportunities, missed opportunities. Those are some of the things that you got to be thinking about right now, too. Some of the things that you might not be focused on. Also, remember something that I think is important. At least I think it's important that one way or another, this pandemic is going to end. The recession will end when that happens. And more than likely, we're going to see significant growth. Now, okay, so for obvious reasons, you know, cyclically, after you have a a recession, you've got, you know, expansion. But I want you to just for a moment think about what that's going to be like when this thing is over. Just think of the demand the crazy demand of people wanting to live their lives again. Think about all the places you want to go, all the money you want to spend, right? People you want to visit, places you want to go, concerts, all that stuff. Money will be spent. The economy will grow. That's my opinion, but I am uh, I, I truly believe that this when this thing ends, it's gonna be just crazy how. Much people are going to be partying like it's, you know, the roaring 20s following the Spanish flu all over again. Anyway, nice to kind of think about that, right? Uh, So think about that. It's a positive thing to think about. And I will join you next week for another episode of Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.